0: we've been raised from death to life that actually as Jesus was raised from the dead so we too spiritually are raised from dead death to life and therefore we throw off the grave clothes because Christ is in us and, and we, we live differently because we have Christ in us the hope of glory so if you have your Bibles we're going to read from um, Colossians 1 verse 24 Um. So Colossians 1, it's on the screens as well, if you want to follow along there. This is Paul writing, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. And this is the reason why, to make, known the, to make the Word of God fully known. And what's the Word of God? It's the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, and the mystery, or that is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So what Paul is saying is that there's been this mystery that's been withheld for ages and generations, and that's actually the person of Jesus. And when Jesus comes, He's revealed to the church. And the mystery is that now Jesus Christ is actually in us. Jesus Christ is in us, and that itself is the hope of glory. So three things that we're going to look at this morning of why Christ in us is the hope of glory: one, because death was defeated; two, because new life has begun. And three, because heaven awaits. All right. So I know you might start smelling some hot cross buns soon, but uh, stick with me throughout these three, and then we'll um, we'll eat and celebrate well together with that. So Jesus is the hope of glory, because Jesus shows us that on Easter Sunday that that death doesn't have the final say. That that's what Easter Sunday is all about. That death doesn't have the final say you know it's the song that we sing that says he silenced the boast of sin and grave he silenced the boast of sin and grave and you know I, I love that that thought you can imagine you know imagine the scene on Good Friday like just put yourselves in the disciples shoes for a bit for those of you who are here on Friday we sort of reflected on that a bit but you can imagine like just the sense of hopelessness of Friday like, think about Peter. We looked at this video of Peter on Friday. You know, this guy who's, you know, betrayed Jesus. He's denied him three times. He's cut off a soldier's ear right in front of Jesus, even though he spent three years with Jesus knowing that, you know, it's a way of love, love your enemies and all that stuff. And he's pulled out the sword, denied Jesus three times, and then, and then Jesus dies. He doesn't get a chance to speak to him, to sort of say sorry, to sort of, you know, make amends. Like, Jesus is dead. And I know what you're probably thinking, like, you're thinking, well, if G- Peter knew that he was going to come back. Yeah, surely Peter would have known that, you know, Jesus had said himself that he was returning. But when you read the, the Easter Sunday story, the women go to the tomb and they run back to the disciples. And it says in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, it says that the disciples doubted the women's story. <laughs> they, they'd spent three years with Jesus, heard everything he had said, and when the women come back and say he's risen, just like he said he would, they doubt it. And so that's why Peter runs through the tomb to figure out, well, if this is true or not. The disciples are distraught in despair, and they're doubting everything that Jesus said. But the thing is, you know, we need to see that for us that our hope is not based on what we see, or not based on what we don't see, but instead... Our hope is based on the word of God and on his promises. It's like I said, Jesus multiple times said that he was going to rise again. In John chapter 2, he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. In Matthew 12, even clearer, he says, for Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In, In Matthew chapter 27, verse 62, it's interesting where the um the religious leaders are trying to figure out what to do with Jesus now that they've killed him. And one of the guards comes in and says, I remember Jesus saying that he was going to rise in three days. So it says this, sir, we remember what the imposter said. Uh, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. Because um, that will be more of a fraud than what Jesus has ever done. So the, even the guards knew that Jesus had said he was going to rise again. And so they ordered the biggest stone to be put. They ordered guards to be put in front so that they couldn't make it up afterwards. And then we know the story that you know, Jesus does rise and that the gospel goes out from there throughout the disciples, throughout the church, and they attest to the fact of the resurrection. And yet the disciples still doubt. (laughs) So if you find yourself doubting, you're in good company. But you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that pretty much all of our faith, the whole Christian faith hinges on the resurrection. That if Christ didn't rise from the dead, our faith is futile. We're going to read it later, but that's what Paul says. That, And so everything that the religious leaders did at the time was to stop the resurrection from being sort of made up, that they couldn't make it up, they couldn't lie about it, they couldn't spread false information. And yet, the gospel takes off as they attest to the resurrection. The resurrection isn't just this nice story for us to sort of celebrate on Easter, but it's actually a true fact. And it changes everything. And when we see that, it changes absolutely everything because it's proof that God has power over sin and death. Because sin separates us from God and and it's destructive in our lives and in our worlds. And the ultimate reality of sin, if you follow all the way through, is death. And yet Jesus walks out of the tomb alive. With superpowers, apparently. And he shows us us that sin and death are, are defeated. And therefore, we have hope. If Jesus can be raised from the dead... Then for me I have no other no 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 struggle believing everything else in this word. Like that has got to be the greatest thing that someone can do, and therefore we have hope because Jesus He rises. Death doesn't have the final say. And so we can look at Friday and the somber celebration that we had and the sort of the reflection of how, how bad our sin must be for the Son of God to have to take our place. Like we can look at Friday differently because of what happens on Sunday. Friday is good because on Sunday we get the, I guess, the validation of that sacrifice. That it was God himself who raised from the dead. We look at our sin and our death differently because of the cross and the empty tomb. They no longer have the final say. They no longer hold the power of our lives. That when we believe in Jesus, when we turn to him, that his love and his grace, that determines our position before God, not our sin and our brokenness. That the love and grace of Jesus, when we trust and believe in him, that has so much more power than our sin. And so therefore we don't live lives of despair, but rather we hope because our king is supreme. We've been using this word supreme a lot over the last few weeks, looking at Colossians, and the definition of it, supreme, it's the state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, power, or status. I love that. So that Jesus is actually superior to all others, to all sin, to all death, in authority, power, and status. Jesus lives which means sin and death are defeated, and therefore Christ can live in us. If we're sinful beings, then the Son of God cannot live in us. Like you cannot have something so holy live in something so broken. But because we've been washed clean, because sin and death are defeated, Christ can live us, and that is the hope of glory. So the hope of glory, because death is defeated, but also we have... the Christ in us, which means we have new life and therefore we have hope. Like Shane's song said, we throw off the grave clothes. I'm going to reflect on that story of Lazarus in John chapter 11 and just a couple verses from there. John 11, 44, it says, The man who came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. This is Lazarus. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him. And let him go. You know, the first thing that Lazarus had to do when he's raised from the dead is he had to throw off the grave clothes. He had to throw off the things that had previously held him down. You know, I think for us, the first thing we need to recognize that we've been raised to new life is we need to throw off the sin that entangles. In Hebrews 12, throw off the sins that entangle and run the race with perseverance. Because sin and death don't have the power, because we're children of the King, because Christ is in us, we're going to live differently now. There's the song we sang at the start, the same power, same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And if we truly believe that, we truly grasp that, surely then our lives begin to look differently. Surely then we begin to start throwing off the grave clothes, throwing off the sin, throwing off the things that held us down previously and start walking into new life. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I was reading the story of Lazarus this week and it's fascinating because for someone you think so important, like raised from the dead, like that's a big deal in anyone's ministry, even for Jesus. He's only mentioned two more times in the whole Bible after he's risen from the dead. But I think those two times, they give us a little glimpse of what new life looks like. So in John chapter 12, verse 2, it says, So they had dinner for Jesus there in Bethany, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. So what does a new life look like? The first thing is that we recline at the table with Jesus. We live in relationship with him, that we we grow in relationship, that we spend time with him through his word, through prayer, through community, through serving, through all the different things that we do. It's not ticking off the box saying, okay, this is what my new Christian life looks like and I need to do this and do this and do this. But no, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and he lives in me and therefore I'm going to have a relationship with him. I can have a relationship with him and I want to grow in that. And everything that we do starts pointing back to that. That is the reason. That is what drives everything of this new life. is living in relationship with Jesus. The second mention Lazarus gets, it's not not a very nice one, in chapter 12, verse 10, says, So the chief priests who were making plans to kill Jesus, they also made plans to put Lazarus to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And I think, like that is what new life is about. It's starting to tell your story. Starting to tell your story of what Jesus has done in our life so that people start turning to Jesus. That's what Lazarus does. He tells his story. And and here's the thing: if we if we believe in God's word, we believe that Lazarus' story is our story. Because spiritually we've been dead and we've been raised to life. We have you know, it says that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, but we've been raised to new life. And therefore, we tell our story. Therefore, we tell the story of what God has done in our lives, the gospel, the good news that Jesus has done something amazing in our lives. And that we tell that and we share that. So if you aren't sure, whether you're living the Christian life, if you aren't sure how to go about that, I think those two things, good things to keep in mind. Live in relationship with Jesus and share the story, share the gospel. So ultimately, the ultimately, this new life that we live, this new life that we are brought into, is one of following Jesus and obeying Him because we believe He's worth following. Once again, it's not out of duty, it's not out of obligation, it's not out of religion, but it's out of this relationship where we believe, you know what, Jesus is worthy of following. He's defeated sin and death, He's risen again, He's promised to make all things new, and so we follow. In Colossians 2, a few verses down, Colossians 2 verse 2, it says, that we reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love that idea that Paul writes, that in Christ are held all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That actually he knows all. That he's wise in in the path and the plan that he has. And so we follow him because we actually believe that his way of life is the best way of life. He has all wisdom, he has all knowledge and that's what I'm going to bank my life on. That for me, I'm going to follow, I'm going to obey because I believe that Jesus is all wise, all knowing and he has the best life ahead for us. Now that doesn't mean, you know, like sometimes we're tempted to think that we're going to get nice houses and nice cars and all this sort of stuff. Far from it, you know, it's, it's not always easy and it does come at a cost. We, you know, Jesus promises persecution, hardship. But in that, he promises, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That Christ in us is defeating death, he's giving us new life and therefore we follow him into that. Trusting that actually, you know what? I believe that Jesus has the best life ahead and I'm going to follow him trusting that He is all-knowing, that He is wise beyond our understanding. And so therefore, in Colossians 3, Paul writes this, If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So Paul writes, if we've been raised with Christ, if we've been come into this new life, then we set our mind on things above. That we don't live for this earthly gain, for earthly pleasure, but instead we set our mind on Christ and on heaven and we live with that perspective and that focus. And so we throw off the grave clothes. We throw off the sin that easily entangles and we run this race with perseverance. Setting our mind and fixing our eyes on Christ. Setting our mind on things above. Because Jesus is making all things new. That's his final promise. I'm making all things new, he says in Revelation. Now in part, one day in whole. He will come again, as that verse said, He will come again and we will appear with Him in glory. See, the beauty of this new life is that it's only a glimpse of what's to come. That what we have now, the glimpse into the kingdom of God that we get, is only a glimpse. See, in this new life, we see transformation and we see God's power at work, we see lives change, we can see prayers answered, and miracles happen. we see a loving church community, we see the poor cared for. we see great things happen in the kingdom of God on earth, but it 's only a glimpse because we recognize you know all the things that we prayed for and we 've chatted about already that we recognize that there 's still sorrow there 's still suffering there 's still struggle in this world, and we we live in the tension of Friday and the final Sunday when Jesus comes again. Jesus will come again and we live sort of in that Saturday where we still feel the realities of Friday and the sin and the death but we look forward to the ultimate Sunday when Jesus comes again in all of his glory. We live in that tension but we need to recognise that we do get a glimpse into the kingdom of God here on earth but it's only a glimpse. It's like a... um, a movie trailer. Scott mentioned movies before. I, um, I I. enjoy movie trailers. I know that might sound weird. But I actually enjoy getting to the movies on time, sitting, finding my seat, eating my popcorn before the movie starts and watching the previews. I get really excited because the previews always look good, yeah? Like they're always like, this is going to be the best movie. Um, probably my... Main memory of this is um, the movie Dunkirk. I don't know, anyone's seen Dunkirk? A few of you. I remember sitting in the movies with my mate, um, seeing the preview for that, and I was just like out of my seat. I'm like, why do we have to wait so long for this movie? This is going to be the best. It's a war movie, tick. True story, tick. Um, great cast, tick. I mean, had Harry Styles, but I don't know if there's any teenage girls that still appreciate that or not. No, no, no. Anyway, Harry Styles, I'm like, eh, intriguing at most. And then and then the big, the great news, Christopher Nolan. You know, director, director of Inception, The Dark Knight. I'm thinking, this is going to be the best movie ever. I was so excited. Um, so then a few months later, me and my friend, we went and saw the movie. And, uh, yeah, we walked out and we sort of looked at each other like, eh, you know, like, uh, do you know, I don't know if anyone's seen it, had a similar reaction, like, it's sort of like, it's good, but like, it's a bit weird, and it's long, and it's intense, and yes, yeah, very slow, but, so, so I kind of enjoyed it, but it just didn't live up to my expectations, you know, who's had that before, where you've seen a movie, you think, I'll get excited, but it didn't live up to the expectations, See, we live in this period of life where we get a preview of what's to come. With Christ in us, we get a preview of what's to come, of living in relationship with him and experiencing his power and his goodness here on earth. But we need to remember that it's only a glimpse, that there's something much, much better to come, that the real movie, the real thing, it'll exceed all expectations. It'll be far greater than anything That we can ever imagine, and so therefore we can look forward in hope. Because we see our new life now, we see that death has been defeated, but we look forward because we've just got a glimpse, and what's to come is far, far greater. And we look forward with hope because we base our hope not on what we see, not on what we feel, but we base our hope on God's promises, God's word, of which Jesus Christ himself is the guarantee. See, God proved himself on Easter that, that nothing will stop his promises. God promised long ago that he would send his son, he would defeat sin, and he came through. Because Jesus Christ, as Scott alluded to before, His resurrection is the first of many, that we will follow Him into new life fully when He comes again. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime today, 1 Corinthians 15, but let me just pick out a few verses. From verse 17, it says this, If Christ has not been raised... Then your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That if all we've got is this life, then what's the point? That's what Paul's saying. <laughs> if all we've got, that, but actually no, we look forward to something much better. He continues, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, but also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first, and then at, those, and then at his coming, those who belong to Jesus. What Paul's saying is that just as sin and death entered the world through one man, Adam, so new life and resurrection comes through one man, Jesus. And that's what we look forward to, that Christ is the first fruits, Christ is the first one, and in the end, all those who belong to Christ will be raised again. And that's what we look forward to. And so while we look around our world, and it seems like Sin and death have these little victories in our lives. We know that the true victory has been won, that the war is over, that Jesus is victorious. And so instead of despair, we hold on with hope and we move forward in new life, knowing that Jesus is the guarantee of that promise, that through him we will rise again and we'll make our way to heaven and follow him now for all of eternity. Amen. I'm going to invite our music team up and we're going to finish with a song. And you know, on Friday we had a somber celebration. So I feel like on Sunday we need to have like a full-on celebration. I don't know what that looks like. You know, I'm teaching Africa, you know, the churches I've been to Africa, that's like full-on like Dancing, I'm not going to expect you all to dance and stuff. But you can. I'm not going to restrict you either. But you know that, I want to encourage us today that we would celebrate. That we would celebrate today that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That we would celebrate that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And like it says in Ephesians 2, that, that by his grace we are also seated with him in the heavenlies. Like Scott read earlier, that we are citizens of heaven. We celebrate today that Jesus is alive, that sin and death are defeated, that our sins are washed away, that Jesus lives in us and we are a new creation forever, forever changed. May we celebrate today because today is just the foretaste of what is to come, that this new life that we have in Jesus is just a glimpse of the perfection that heaven has, that Jesus carries us to. So, while we stand, we're going to sing Happy Day. We're going to celebrate that Jesus is alive, that forever we're changed. And um, yeah, let's praise God.